There's an energy that's surrounding all of humanity at all times. It can lead us to great positivity or negativity. It can help influence great decisions or poor decisions. It can change the very trajectory of our lives, depending on how we allow that energy to affect us and what type of energy we feed into. Today, my guest and I are going to talk about that very topic. So sit back, grab yourself a cup of coffee or whatever it is that you're into. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. America Emboldened. Greg, I feel emboldened. You don't know the founding fathers. You don't know what they do. You don't know what they sacrifice. We have lost touch with the principles in the Constitution. Nobody's read the Declaration of Independence. You are voting for socialism, and you got what you voted for. Welcome, Bold Americans, to another episode of America Emboldened. I'm your host, Greg Bolden, here on the America Out Loud Network. As always, go over to www.americaoutloud.com, where you can check out hundreds of articles from scholars and talent all over this network, putting up great content for you every single day, as well as check out all of our sponsors who help make the programming possible. My guest today was on with me about a month ago, and the show was very well received by uh, my listeners. They felt that it was a nice change of pace episode. They liked getting a little bit more into the esoteric nature of the world. And that's what Laurie Elizabeth specializes in. She has her own podcast called Seekers Insights. You can find that on all of your favorite podcast formats. And I'm not going to delay the conversation any further. Laurie, welcome back to the show. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Greg. It's a pleasure to have you here. So uh, what's been going on in life for the past uh, three weeks, the four weeks? What what have you been doing uh, interviewing shows and what have you been working on? Oh, I've been, um, actually, I was researching crystals and um, because I I think that they have wonderful value if you know how to use them correctly and finding knowledgeable people to talk to about them. Because, you know, even if you just have um, an interest in feng shui, it uses rose quartz in relationships and there's different other applications for it. So I'm thinking there's a lot more here than I need that I haven't read about yet. So I think I found someone who was going to be on within the next two to three weeks. And um, it's, I love these long distance conversations. This is going to be a zoom conversation. She's out in Oklahoma city and apparently exceptional at what she does. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, And as a, as I try to do, I'm, working up on my insights. Um, obviously, I have a few viewpoints, and I have been told by those who care. Um, might be nice to hear more of me as well. So sure. that's what I'm starting to do. I'm starting to add insights of my own um, to the content, and I think it's going to pay, pay back in, in knowledge base and, and all that stuff. So that's kind of what I'm doing. Excellent. I, f- I find that with the podcast side, a lot of the times I used to think that my best shows were when I was interviewing somebody. Mm-hmm. And then my listeners started writing to me and saying, Greg, we like your take on things. We like when you uh, have a guest on 
and you actually tell the guest what you know and then get clarification. Mm-hmm. Or we like when you just research and you act as your classroom teacher role mm-hmm. and go into a topic. Mm-hmm. So I think that there is something to be stated about, you know, here's your show, Seekers Insights. You have a lot of insights to offer for yourself, mm-hmm. a shared experience. I know from sitting down with you just last show, uh, we can talk the phone book through a ton of different <laughs> topics. Uh, your listeners want to hear that. So that makes complete sense to me. I do try to do that during the interviews because it's a conversation. I mean, it's, you tell me what you know, I tell you what I know, we share the experience, and we kind of go on from there. Uh, but this is this is a different thing. It's my take. It's it's me talking about a subject that I've, you know, I've been reading about this stuff for almost 50 years. So it's it's time for me to share what I know and at least get people interested in finding out more for themselves. Excellent. Well, let's get into it today. Well, let's, I'm ready. Let's, let's dive right in. So I wanted to talk about the good and evil in the world. Uh, <laughs> and really, I know that that's like this loaded topic. But yeah. I want to talk. Got a millennia? <laughs> yeah, I want to talk specifically. Like I've heard uh, people on your show talk about being able to talk to the other realm, so to speak, mm-hmm. talking to another dimension, whatever way you want to. Yeah. I, I look at it from like almost a holographic universe. You're dialed in. This is a holographic right? universe, yes. And so one of your uh, guests or two of your guests refer to it, I guess you've had them twice, the library. Yes. They're able to dial into the library, which is almost like this, uh, if I'm summarizing it, actually, let, let me let you summarize, because I was going to say it's like this uh, library of wisdom that is just known throughout the cosmos. But how would you define the library? Well, it's larger than the Akashic Record, which is, the Akasha is the thought, word, and deed of every thought, word, and action human being on the planet, past, present, and future, because on this plane, this is the only plane where time exists. Every place else, it all streams together at once. So past, present, and future is already known. That's where it resides. So that Edgar Casey the sleeping prophet of Virginia Beach, was the person who could, at that point, match the frequency of the Akasha and read the records for people who were seeking healing at first. And then as he got into past life regression, he could read their past lives along with it and tell them why they had those problems. So that's the Akasha. The the library explains themselves, because they are a group entity, um, as larger by far, uh, if, if Akasha is for Earth, then you're talking about a galactic, if not universal, memory right. in, of um, the library. And Kathy Bird is the channel for the library that I know. Um, and she basically says that it's every thought, word, and deed of every living thing and everything that happens here on that plane and and so just ask the questions and it's very fascinating actually and so you've had kathy on twice now i have and uh really a phenomenal listen i i suggest that my listeners if you're listening to this conversation then you want to catch up that is going to be your uh companion piece to this episode <laughs> in a lot of ways to understand and maybe we can connect some episodes that you've done as uh sure. as we go through today so people know what to listen to okay uh so Kathy Bird's the person that you know. Do you know of other people that are into this record in the library that talk to the library? Is that, or is Kathy exclusive access? And- mm, there's no such thing. Okay. For a legitimate channel, um, there's there, you cannot claim that you are the sole person to do that. Um, 
no one person can access Jesus. No one person can t- talk to God. Uh, n- no one person does the library. No one person does anybody. So that's my follow-up question. Yeah. So when we look at world religions, we look at um, what people pray to. My question when I was listening to that is, if you're growing up as a Christian, would Kathy Bird mm-hmm. suggest that you're actually praying to the library, that you're intense to the library? Is that something completely different? Can you clarify that for me? Yeah. Um, you don't pray to the library. It's a resource. Okay. Just like going to any other library. Um, but people channel different things and different people. Um, they can channel saints. They can channel the Lord. They can channel Buddha. Nobody needs to do any of this. They could channel evil. Um, maybe. Evil is a concept. Okay. We'll get into that. Okay. That's the, you see how I'm tying all this together? Yeah, I see it. I'm trying to like, I'm trying to make a little web here so that way in my consciousness, I know where we're going. Okay. Um, okay. So I, I have that part. Now, something that I had heard uh, was sent to me after our interview mm-hmm. was from Jordan Maxwell. Now, Jordan Maxwell was an esoteric teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, many recordings online. Listeners can go back. Probably my listeners are more in tune with Jordan Maxwell than I am, so I'm not going to be claiming that I'm the expert on him, but something that I listened to that he said that blew me away was that we are probably in our lifetime possibly going to see governments or uh, scientists develop the tools to pull the energy that was expended decades, centuries, millennia ago back out and translate it. And so what they were, uh, what he was trying to make a point of is King Tut. King Tut had words that he spoke at his time. Mm-hmm. Those words still exist. We just have to find a way to detune or I guess retune in to the frequencies that were already put out. And he said, it's such a complex thing, but that's what quantum computing, I guess he didn't say quantum computing, but I'm, I'm paraphrasing. That's what quantum, quantum computing field the quantum field could possibly be able to pull out. Consciousness is a field. Right. Right. So that makes sense. So this gave me this thought process of, we always hear about karma. Mm -hmm. What you put into the world often comes back to you Mm -hmm. in many ways. Like, is there... That's oversimplified, but go ahead. It is. Mm -hmm. We'll take it for now. Keeping on this surface level for the conversation for now. We can get get deep into it. (laughs) Um, But I guess what I'm wondering is this conversation that we're having, It's going to reach people. And I always say when I'm having difficult conversations on my show, and I mean it, I'm trying to have it with love. Mm -hmm. So when I have a difficult conversation, I I try to look past my computer and imagine that I have a room full of people that may be affected by my words. Understood. And so can I say this in a loving way, Mm -hmm. even though I need to say it? Mm -hmm. I think when we put that type of energy out there, Believe me, it's noted and it's preferred. Correct. So I guess here's the different places I want to go in the conversation. I want to go with the energy that's coming out into the world, good versus evil, the concept. I want to talk about are there people that are using things like the library for their own personal gain? Can the library be used for purposes beyond uh, what would be uh, what you and I would want to see them used for. Mm-hmm. Um, could that be called the occult? Uh, that's kind of where I'm going with that. And then um, 
maybe kind of wrap up with uh, some random conversations today in our second half when we get into it. Sure. All right. Thanks for the roadmap. Yeah. So that's kind of the roadmap where we're going. Okay. So let's, I guess, start right there at uh, the energy that we give, right? Let's let's talk about how that is affecting us, our our health, our neighbors. Uh, let's let's get straight into it from there. What do you know? Everything is frequency. Everything is a vibration. So when you asked about King Tut, you were saying to yourself, well, uh, whatever he said and whatever knowledge base that belongs to is out there. And I would say it's out there and continue that with on the ethers. Mm. But to reach those things, we have to be aligned with that frequency. Again, accessing the Akasha, that would be there, but Again, to what purpose do we want to go back there? Just to hear his voice? Mm. I have a birthday card that my brother gave my mother with his recorded voice. I hold it dear to my heart because that's my brother's voice and he died in 2010. He is the closest thing I have to a family. So um, they're all gone. But that frequency is on that card because he recorded his voice and I hold that dear. It doesn't need to be in the Akasha. I know what his voice sounded like. I don't forget it, but I can access it. Well, it's the same type of idea when you go to the library or to the Akashic Record through someone and ask to know something. What you'll get isn't the sound of the voice or the actual words, but the intention and the meaning and the words that are supposed to go along with that come to you. And that's what it's for. Can you mess with that? Well, I don't know of anybody who's on the same frequency of something as ancient as five years, 5,000 years ago. Um, I'm not sure anybody would want to be because times were pretty nasty. And even though it looks all glamorous and the pyramids shown and all those different things, uh, no, they didn't have indoor plumbing. Let's just take it from there. Right. And so ask yourself, what's the reason for it? Okay. Because as I ask the question, that all that is, uh, is going to ask the same question in its own way. Where the field exists, it's always there. Yes, it's, it's readable, it's, it's accessed, but it's not something that you would hear a voice, per se. Okay. That's my understanding of it anyway. All right. So keeping with the frequency, mm-hmm. items that were held by King Tut. Mm-hmm. You're talking about crystal research and stuff mm-hmm. at this point in time. Could it be possible that if you had an item, a relic, mm-hmm. so to speak, from a time period, mm-hmm. that that would help you dial into that frequency? I'll go you one better. Go ahead. In Tut's own inventory from the tomb, mm-hmm. there was the magic knife that was found. And there are no metals known to man that made up the blade of that knife. It's made from a meteorite. Really? Yeah. And they didn't know what else to do with it, but it was the king's, and and it has a beautiful gold hilt to it and a whole bit. And it was buried with him in his hands inside of the wrappings on his mummy. So it was very special. And it's still there because it's in the exhibits now. Um that's mind-blowing. I didn't know that. that no? That's great. Yeah, no. I'm surprised. I found something you didn't yeah, no, know. no, I did not know that. that that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. That was my face of shock. <laughs> Is that what that was? A meteorite. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it, it was that type of precious metal because it was unknown. It was powerful. It was nobody else had one type right. of thing. So when you talk about crystals, it's the same type of idea. What makes it special? What what not powers, but what things does it influence? Hmm. Um, all of them influence energy. Let's get one that that one right, right. out there. Okay. So all of them influence energy. So it's whatever energetic field you have around yourself, which I hope is always positive. Um, and I'm not talking po- toxic positivity. I'm talking no, you know, yeah. just general optimistic. Type. Right. Um, but it's meant to enhance that which you feel short of or to sustain that which you choose to keep around you. I'll give you an example. Um, again, rose quartz is used in feng shui. Who knew, right? Crystals. Um, <clears throat> but it's used in relationships. And I own myself uh, a pair of rose quartz mandarin ducks. Um, they're about mm, maybe four inches high. And I wrapped red ribbon around them and I put them in the southwest corner of my house in my actually my bedroom because I find, and this is going to sound a little weird, but I don't care. Um, if they're far apart or if they're like whoppy jawed somehow on the shelf, right? my husband and I nip at each other and it gets a little bickery and I'm, oh, I'm not liking that at all because we get along very well. So instead I have them facing each other, but not touching we are two separate individuals and trust me we definitely are but at the same time because we see eye to eye on most things that's reflected in the stance so it's like just a tiny little bit apart but looking each other straight in the eye and that's how they stand so if i'm cleaning and i bump them and i don't forget and i forget to put them back and we start getting a little witchy with each other i go upstairs i look at them oh and then no kidding greg no kidding Within an hour, we're back. Hmm. So you tell me something's not. Now, weird. now explain to the listeners why Southwest. Southwest in Feng Shui is the relationship corner in the Bagua layout of your home. So as your house is placed on a piece of property, it tells you, you know, north, south, east, west, and all those different in betweens that have meaning for you and anyone underneath that same roof with you, including your pets, and. It all comes together, and then you can influence and do remedies by those locations. Yeah, when I was selling real estate years ago, um, people used to ask me before we ever sold a home, mm-hmm. can you tell me how it's oriented? And then Makes when they sense. came to the home, they would look and go, this isn't going to work, or this is perfect. Or and they never walked through, or they correct. Just, like you couldn't keep yep. them out. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, my house faces southeast. What's that doing for me? <laughs> I'm being serious I, question. I don't know. <laughs> I have no clue. Um, I would have to know a lot more about you right. and who's living with you and all that. Um, the dog's and, a little crazy. Well, that's okay. The wife keeps me balanced. <laughs> well, God bless her. But um, just if you want the name of the feng shui master I have used for okay. years and years, I'm happy to supply that. Excellent. Yeah, we'll check that out. Okay. That will, that will be fun. That's Master Aaron Koch. I have him on my, my podcast. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. Uh, did, so what? how long ago was that episode? I had a recent one uh, with him. So there's one early on, like last year in July, maybe July, August. Um, okay. And it's there. 
And then I just recently had him back on to talk about some things. So, All right. So you might be able to go a couple of weeks back and go, find them. Go a few, be- few weeks back. A few weeks. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So there you go, listeners. We can, we can check that out and find out more. He's, right. he's exceptionally knowledgeable. He is a master in traditional Chinese feng shui. That's what you want. You don't want black hat. You don't want tantric. You don't want any of that stuff. Because if you don't have the foundation, you don't understand what's going on. Right. So there's influences there. Back to crystals. Back to crystals. Uh, talk about the quartz and everything. Right. So what does it do for you? Yeah. So one, two questions here. What does mm-hmm. it do for you? Mm-hmm. Um, and the second half of that question would be, should you ever accept crystals that belong to somebody else? No. Not without cleaning them, clearing them. Um, right. So if you do, uh, do what I do. I, I have a bunch of crystals by my bedside, for example, to enhance dreams and that sort of thing. So I will put them in a crystal container. And if you don't have crystal, clear glass will do. Um, And you get kosher salt, salt crystals. And you place the crystals in those crystals, salt crystals, and put them outside in the bright sun for the day. Just let them clear. Or you can also do that at night under a full moon, clear sky. Hmm. Because it clears the energy and it imbues them with that positive. So. Um, it's a different, it, and the only reason it's either moon or sun, it's basically yin yang. So if you're dark, at nighttime, that would be very yin, and daytime is very yang. So okay, and so what do people report that carrying crystals or having them by their bedside is doing for them? What are some of the benefits? Okay, two different things. Um, <clears throat> let me tackle the ones by the bedside. Um, as I said, mine enhanced my dreams. You can also get crystals, EMF crystals, that basically protect you from the electromagnetic fields around your bed. For example, if your clock radio, your lamp, your phone, as you're charging it, and Even all those worse. things are, are less than three feet away from you, got to fix that because you're just basically bathing yourself in electromagnetic energy. Right. And it's not bouncing off of you. It's you're absorbing that. So um, put that three feet away and charge your phone across the room. Yes, I know you probably have your alarm on it, but, you know, get up out of bed and go get it. Um, <laughs> He's hitting the snooze. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so the Tesla crystals, those EMF crystals, are reported to help you sleep better because, again, they completely mitigate the EMF and you find you sleep better. Um, but there's other positive benefits. Anything that will take away the excess EMFs around you, I'm talking your overhead lighting, um, electric fans, uh, you name it, all that stuff's mm-hmm. around you, all that's flying around. And there is such a thing as electricity poisoning. And we don't realize that. And as, for example, 5G is coming nationwide, right? Much to my chagrin. But what it's doing is it's it's adding exponentially more to that electromagnetic field that it's not healthy. Well, we have great research on this. You see the um, high-powered electric lines near neighborhoods, Mm -hmm. and it's been known now for decades that people that live underneath those electric lines have negative health impacts. Yep. Uh, We see that they die earlier. Their life expectancy is not as long. They normally have chronic pain problems. They normally have trouble thinking clearly by the time they get into their 50s if they've lived there for two decades. Yep. So this has been 
pretty well studied, but for whatever reason, we started carrying a cell phone in our pockets. Mm-hmm. And we, we started put it right next right to up, our head. Yeah, put it right mm-hmm. next to our head. Mm-hmm. And most people have never read the uh, regulatory language that's in these phones that states it's not supposed to be on your person. Right. It's supposed to always be separated by at least 12 inches from the body. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much so, if like, you have a pacemaker, this can actually malfunction pacemakers. I mean, it's a... Uh, it's bizarre how uh, I put a case around mine yeah. that, that really does mitigate a lot of it. But, but yeah, it's, it's bizarre how ignorant we've become of the facts that we already know. Mm-hmm. Just when there's new technology, we go, "Oh, well, that must be safe. It's new." <laughs> well, it's also because we choose not to hear because right. we want to play with the new shiny toy. I mean, you know, let's face it; it's a great new shiny toy. Sure, it has your life in it. Uh, if you have a calendar, it has your entire conversational life in there. So there's texts and there's everything. Well, you know what else is in here? Your contacts. Uh, even better. What? Quartz and crystal. Ah, there you go. Right, the chips that these run on. But that's not as beneficial. <laughs> no, 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 no. But what I'm getting at is that's kind of where I'm going with. Okay. The energies mm-hmm. that we get trapped into. Mm-hmm. Um. We're, we're holding this. We use it for communication. We use it to store things and everything else. But we also have this other part of the energy that we give. Mm-hmm. I, I find it troublesome to do my show sometimes on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Um, I really struggle with positivity. <laughs> I struggle with Welcome positivity. To being human. Because like right now, like some of the stories that I'm covering, you know, Donald Trump got arrested. I had to cover that. I did it one day mm-hmm. and I was done with it because I said to myself, everybody else on the network is going to talk about Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. I'm not going there. You can be the relief squad. <laughs> right. He is not going to uh, take over my life on this. Right. But then I found myself diving into a story about bricks. And BRICS is uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China. Uh, they are currently working together to make the yuan the new reserve currency. Mm-hmm. And as I dived into this, I see Japan now buying oil from Saudi Arabia. And I'm going, huh, we're definitely losing this alliance here. The United States is staying with the old guard, Canada and NATO. Europe, NATO. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Russia, China are setting up an amazing alliance with South America, Africa, South Africa, um, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Iran, Turkey, kind of like our what we used to call the terrorist areas of Mm -hmm. hating America. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're really outnumbered. And I find it difficult to talk about where currency is going to go, where life will go for my children. How do I get out of that negative connotation for the future when the stories don't feel very positive? How do I help my listeners with an action plan of positivity amid worry, fear, and anxiety type of headlines and stories? This is a schoolroom, Greg. This is the challenge right now. Mm. And it's there's going to be a lot more changes coming. A lot. Tremendous change in the eyes of the world. And the most you can do for your children and your children's children is to learn that it doesn't all affect you right now. For example, think of a presidential election. Sure. Okay? Everybody just gets on the phone and you're talking to your neighbor and you're talking to everybody and they're like jammering away. It's like that idiot gets in office. I don't want to be here. And, and then the other one goes, oh, but I love that guy. But if the other guy gets in there, it's right Tell me something. How much does his getting into office 
really impact you? Uh, depends. Um, I would say not that much. Right. Although right now. I'm not talking about your agita. I'm talking. No, 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 no. What, what I'm saying is I used to think that whoever gets an office, it didn't really matter. I think it kind of does at this point in time. I'm going to tell you why. Okay. It sets the tone for millions of people and not saying it should. I'm not saying it should impact mm-hmm. you because mm-hmm. I think you and I are on the same page on that. Mm-hmm. But I can't help but notice that it affects the mood and tone of the nation because there seems to be a reinforcement of that individual's ideals or political party's ideals, Mm -hmm. which gives them way too much importance in people's lives. That's my point. So the way too much importance means that's out of alignment. And so what you can do is you can teach your children balance. Got it. Teach them the differences, obviously. But also understand where the impact lies so that if you're caught in that conversation, you know, my, my have always, I was um, director of communications for a political party at one time, and my whole get out of the conversation trick was, but what's going on on the down ballot? Because I find that's a lot more impactful. Mm-hmm. Who's running for, you know, Chancery. Who's 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 in the Levi court? Who's you know? Talk to me about the court system. Talk to me about my legislators in my state. Talk, those are the down ballot people that do impact our lives every day. Right. So the president, meh. Um, Your local representative changing the local laws. Yeah. Yeah. That, regulations. Yeah. Absolutely. You're going to come and assess my house. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, they just came to my home oh, bugger. about two months ago mm. and they go, hey, sir, do you mind if I'll be going to your backyard? I said, yes, I do mind. You can stand on my sidewalk and don't you dare come onto my front yard. And the guy <laughs> looked at me like, oh, my God. This and guy I knows said, his rights. I was like, that there sidewalk is where you're allowed. You can assess my house from there, but don't let me catch you coming onto my property because I will make sure that you leave. Mm-hmm. And he goes, understood, sir. Thank you. And he stood with his thing. And my wife goes, why were you giving them a hard time? Do you really want your taxes to go up that high? I was like, because one, I don't want them looking inside the windows of the home to see what the inside of the house looks like. <laughs> Two, he doesn't need to measure the backyard stuff that's online. And if he can't find it online, yes, that's it not is. my problem. Yes, it is. And uh, three, it's my property. I pay property taxes on it, but I've purchased the property. And no, I do not need to allow anybody right into my home or onto my property for any reason it is not the role of government that's correct on here without and you were right to hold on to that i mean remember when back in the um, revolutionary war they would billet right soldiers by which is why we had to add the amendment to make sure that soldiers wouldn't do that Exactly. exactly so you were in your rights to do that absolutely and they know it all right let's let's take a break here we'll come back we've been talking for about a half hour and this is great when i speak with you Time flies. I'm not sure. Maybe you feel the same way, but like we just literally got through a half hour conversation. I feel like we haven't even touched on the tip of the iceberg of what I hope to talk about today. So we'll do that in the second half. Let's try. Let's try. We'll do our best. We may not make it, and that's why we'll have another show in the future, too. Okay. All right, everybody. Make sure you're going to our sponsors. It makes this show and all my other shows possible Monday through Friday. You can go on to AmericaOutloud.com. A great product right now. You might be sneezing, blowing your nose a lot, and you don't know, is it allergy season or could you be sick? Well, my family, we use Cofix RX. It's a povidone iodine nasal spray, protects you from bacteria, dust, 
as well as viruses for up to eight hours when you go out in the public. Uh, I have the peer-reviewed studies. They've sent them to me. It's a product I believe in. My wife actually forgot to take it for about a week, and she ended up getting sick, and she blamed not using the product. Hmm. Uh, so it's a phenomenal one. Check out CofixRx. And if you type into their website out loud, you get a discount for listening to the America Out Loud Network. So it's a good deal. Okay. So that's awesome. All right, we'll be right back. You guys are listening to America Emboldened with my special guest, Laurie Elizabeth. I'm your host, Greg Bolden, here on the America Out Loud Network. We'll be right back, everybody. We are fighting the ultimate fight between good and evil. AmericaOutloud.com replaces groupthink with innovative thing. Well, it was Walt Whitman, the poet, who said, keep your face always toward the sunshine and shadows will fall behind you. America Out Loud Talk Radio. The liberty and justice for all. If you're like me, you'd like life to return to some kind of normal. You're burned out on all the fear-mongering, but deep down you try and minimize viral exposure and your risk of getting sick. You've heard it talked about time and again by respected medical professionals. Use a pulvinone iodine nasal solution. I don't need to tell you just how powerful a nasal cleansing formula with xylitol, pulvinone iodine, and vitamin D3 for immune support could be. In fact, my attorney told me not to tell you. Google it and find out for yourself. Now, get yourself a bottle of American-made CofixRx nasal solution. Let's get out and live again. CofixRx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com. Use coupon code OUTLOUD and get 20% off. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Welcome back, Bold Americans, second half of the show here with my good friend, Laurie Elizabeth. We're having a good time. We've covered a ton of ground in the first half. Second half, we're going to get into the part that we promised, the good versus evil concept. Now, Laurie kind of threw me for a little bit of a loop when she said, well, good versus evil is not really that uh, simplistic. It's a construct. And I had a gentleman who had asked to be on my show about six months ago. And I invited him over to my home and I set up my studio and I interviewed him and I got so uncomfortable during the conversation that I never aired the conversation. It was almost two hours long. I was going to make it into two different shows, but I got this impression that my, my listeners wouldn't see the conversation for the value that was actually in it because it got to a really crazy place. Hmm. This individual told me that there's no such thing as good. And there's no such thing as bad. There's no such thing as evil. 
He said, it just is. They're choices. They're two sides of the exact same coin. And then he compared it to when people get sick, get cancer. He said, you can look at cancer as something that's horrible that happens to you, or you can look at cancer as something that just happened and live with it. You get that choice every single day. Two sides, same coin. And I said, well, how do you justify, you know, people that do heinous crimes, murder, you know, a, uh, a serial killer? And the part that made me uncomfortable is where he goes, sometimes people may need to kill people. And I was like, well, I can't go with you on that. He goes, well, that's from your perspective. Mm-hmm. From their perspective, it's totally justified. And I thought he was playing devil's advocate with me, but he was really sincere. And then he kind of talked about meeting the devil at one point in time. And I got in some spots where I was like, ah, you need to get out of my house. I'm not comfortable with you here. Like, I feel like I got bad energy, bad juju in the, in really, the home. Really kind of glad you got rid of him and you need to learn how to smudge your home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh. That's kind of why when you said it's complex, I'm trying to make sure you're not like what that guy was telling me about. Like, what are the complexities that you've seen in your insights on good versus evil? What What is the part, the, the construct is not as simple as maybe religion paints it out to be? It's not as, exactly. It's not what religion paints it to be. It's, um, Dolores Cannon has a series of books, and they are wonderful. The woman was exceptionally insightful. She was insanely curious, insatiably so. And she would regress subjects back to pre-life, in-between life, and then she would question the hell out of them and try to, you know, get some understanding as to what is there. Um, So uh, her, Edgar Cayce all these different, very, let's just say, foundational reading, readings that I've gone through, um, they all point me in the direction of, this is a schoolroom. I keep going back to this. I'm going to make it a broken record probably. But you don't have good on this plane of existence without that which is without good. Okay, and we call it evil. Um, so it, is this, it are you are you giving an analogy? Let me see if I understand it because if I'm starting the question, my listeners might be too. Okay, are you giving an analogy that it's almost like there's no such thing as darkness; it's an absence of light, or there's no such thing as light; it's an well, actually there's no such thing as darkness; it's an absence of light because right. we know that light actually is. Yes. Um, so what you're stating is it's not evil. It's an absence of good. Is that, is that more? It's a turning away from the light. Okay. Is what it is. Okay. All of us are beings of light. You know, if, if we, you know, shed this form, we're beings of light. We are literally that spark of the infinite creator that, that made us. Okay. Right. But that was a long time ago. We've been here a long time. And so um, the lessons have to be learned. But we've, I think that we played a very big part in co-creating this world we live in and it's been allowed because obviously to learn good there also has to be its opposite in the balance sphere right Mm -hmm. so that sphere has to be maintained just like there's yin and yang there's always something that that balances the feature so evil um how do i explain this it's always preferred that good is the way to go okay 
kindness, um, self-sacrifice, all those different things are noted by that which is outside of this realm and is preferred, okay? If it's evil, what happens when you go? What happens when you cross over and to the other side? Well, don't, it's, it's not so much a question that you go to hell because that does not exist, okay? That's definitely our construct to explain what we couldn't explain. But they go to a resting place. They literally are just whooshed away and said, you stay here for a while and rest. And then they, I don't know if it's reprogramming, I don't know what you would call it, but it could be indefinite how long that lasts, vis-a-vis -vis Hitler or somebody like that, okay? And at the end of it all, that's a way to take care of the situation in all ways without damning them, without turning them away from the light, because they too are a spark of the creator. So that soul needs to come to that conclusion. There's no judgment on anything over there. It's only here. Yeah. So good versus evil are our constructs for how to behave. You can't have a boogeyman without evil, now can you? So what would you tell kids to get them to go to bed at night? Or, you know, clean the dishes or something. Right. Um, and we never really outgrow that. And we've made it that way. So in, in your view, I, I have so many places I want to go right now. I wish I had just written down notes so I don't lose everything. Because, maybe you will next time. <laughs> yeah, maybe I will because you just took me through and a, I'm gonna bring a, a, pad of paper a, a wormhole of, <laughs> of topics from... You know, uh, are we being watched by a galactic species anytime we're talking about like nuclear war and stuff? You know, if, if there seems to be something that kind of. Well, the Great Transition says we are being watched. Right. Everybody's gathering to find out if we can actually pull it off. Right. And the, the question that I have is, are we being watched then in the spiritual realm or are we being watched by physical beings? Because what you were just saying sounds a lot like the spiritual realm. It makes a ton of sense to me because if they've already been absorbed into the energy, into the ether, right? Then that makes sense that when our ether, our energy is going off course, that they're rooting for us to get back on course. Oh, yeah. Uh, because that's beneficial to all, mm -hmm. right? Yep. So that, that kind of, and that goes to my concept i have of heaven of like that perfect e chord on the guitar everything <laughs> in harmony when it's in in tune mm -hmm. um so that was kind of one spot and so maybe we can get into that in a second the uh second part of what i was listening to uh as you talk about you know religion in regards to how people feel controlled mm -hmm. by the teachings of you know the ten commandments mm -hmm. And for my Christian listeners right now, I know we're in Holy Week as you're listening to this. Fully acknowledged. Uh, and also Passover. And Passover Tonight as well. Begins yes. Passover. So please do not feel uh, slighted by the comments that I'm going to make. I was raised Christian, um, but I also call myself a recovering Catholic for a reason. Um, we dangle um, rewards out in front of people. Oh, yeah. Penances. And, Penance, right? Yeah. Do this, receive mm -hmm. reward. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile. Works great with animals. Yeah. Behavior it does. modification. Yeah. Maslow, Pavlov, right? Pavlov's exactly. law. Um, they weren't stupid. No. I mean, I guess my question is as you've done your research, as you've done your growing in these areas, you've interviewed people, 
do do people think that at the end of the day that Christianity, the religions are tied to this ether and then they found a way to monetize or capitalize on risk reward, so to speak. You go to hell if you do this, but here you'll have eternal um, salvation. That's that's Christian dogma right there. Right. Mm -hmm. So the dogma is what I'm getting at. Uh, Are we looking at dogma based on the ether of what you're talking about, these people that are watching and they understand that, the people at the top, and they're censoring the information from the people in the pews? Or... Are these two different institutions in a sense? And I'm using that word institution just because that's what we call a church. Mm-hmm. I don't mean the, the the library and the galactic and the ether mm-hmm. to be an institution, but just a collective, right? right? So we have a collective here. We have an institution here. What I'm asking is, do you feel that the people at the top in the institution are connected in any way, shape, or form with the collective? We are all connected. Okay. All of it. Everything. Everything is one. And when we come to the actual realization of that as a civilization across the board, we will have advanced tremendously. People do not understand yet that we all have souls. Well, that's great, but we're not all these little, like like, um, the seeds of a dandelion when you blow on them and make a wish. We're not like that scattered because there's that overarching oneness because we come from the one creator and we can't be separate from that. So that oneness will actually end up seeing us through if we maintain a right action course for that. So when I'm trying to think of an analogy, uh, when you try to, to see that whatever is being when you feel you're being watched or something like that don't be so quick to judge it you know as a matter of fact don't be quick to judge anything but at the same time we are all on a single course we want to basically be on an upward spiral toward not perfection but literally touch that oneness in our spirit world okay that oneness will save us all but at the same time, there are those that lack any knowledge of this or any perception and choose to turn away from that or basically choose to turn away from the light and say, well, we don't have to do that, so we're going to just do what we want with no holds barred. And that's what we call evil. That's what we call uh, what? what we don't want, okay? But they're still part of the one. We all are. Anybody that's born, anybody that's not born. Animals, plants. Yeah, it's all one. Could you substitute the vine for the one? Could you just, and then reaching that, could you use the word ascension? Yes. Okay. So when you reach that ascension, you can do this a couple of different ways. The earth itself right now is trying to ascend. Okay. Gaia is a living being. The earth mother is something that supports us, loves us. No matter what we do to her, which is quite a bit, um, but the whole thing is changing so that it, this living being with all of us living beings with her will ascend and, and go to another level of energy, another dimensional level, if you will. I know that sounds really out there, but it's happened in the past and it's going to happen again. Canon. Yes. Did she also teach about Gaia? 
Yes. Yes. And she, so if I remember correctly, you can find some of her videos. Yes. It wasn't so much she that taught it as the, the entities that Correct. came through while she was Correct. had people under Correct. hypnosis. But yes. I, I've watched some of that before. It's fascinating. Fascinating videos. Absolutely. Uh, and this is not a woman who took anything um, stupid under her hat at right. all. No, there was just none of that. No nonsense. She was a great Midwestern lady who just sat there and had an insatiable curiosity about what's over there. And then she went for it. So she's learning this. And then she would sit in front of large audiences and say, this is what I'm being told. And it's being told consistently across every interview I've done with a regressed person. Hmm. That's rather impactful when you consider how many thousands of people she talked right. to. Right. Same thing with the Casey readings. You know, there were consistencies throughout, and he did over 14,500 readings. And they are all down in Virginia Beach at the ARE, and you can go join it and look them up. But it's there. It's part of the record. And um, that oneness is the thing that's going to save us all. The evil that we talk about, I think it's literally turning away from the light, but... It's because that soul committing that problem or those souls doing that have chosen that when they come into this existence. And that's getting into reincarnation. But right. at the same time, that's a key point to remember. They chose to do this, and it's not so much just them. It's who are they going to impact all around them, and what are the lessons there to be learned by them all. Right. So... We can sit there and do the construct all you want, but at the bottom line is, what's the lesson in the schoolroom? Okay. So I'm going to tie back to something you just said. Okay. And when I was saying, can people use good and evil? And we kind of defined that really well. So now let's say, can people use this ability to be tied to the ascension of the earth for their benefit? And here's the reason I'm asking this question. Mm -hmm. I... I find it very troubling and this is going to upset some of my listeners and I'm okay with that because I believe in speaking from my heart and speaking my tr the truth the way that I interpret it. You have an opinion right? so go ahead. Yeah it's 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 my opinion but it's also an opinion that I believe space pretty factual. Mm -hmm. uh, there are people that followed a thing called Q, QAnon mm -hmm. over the past uh, several years mm -hmm. and they would tie Donald Trump saying that he did everything on purpose. I believe that Donald Trump does do everything on purpose. I don't believe there's a lot of accidents now that I've actually watched and seen what's going on. Mm -hmm. That part of QAnon is 100% correct. The man seems like he's very into numerology, or the people that's in his team are around numerology. Mm -hmm. His announcements are always lined up with uh, biblical numerology, Hebrew text, and everything. It's, it's very, very interesting mm -hmm. how that works even when he decided to turn himself in for that Tuesday uh, of this week. Mm -hmm. Very interesting decision as to why you would not go on Monday, you went on Tuesday. So wonder it's, he didn't do it on Palm Sunday. On Palm Sunday, exactly. I See, know. So, He's a sacrificial lamb. Correct. I know. So I'm looking at this, I'm like, is somebody like Donald Trump dialed into the library or the people around him? Is somebody dialed into a collective in a way that's using it for an advantage? And that's why I asked you, could people use this for an advantage? Oh, they could. But I'll give you a couple examples. Edgar Casey attempted many times uh, during his 
extraordinary life to use his gift. Not he tried it for self-aggrandizement and self-wealth. That did not work. It ended disastrously for him. And he'd spent years recovering. Then he tried to build uh, what he felt was for the greater good and for his dream was a hospital based on his healing techniques in Virginia Beach. And that also ended disastrously. If you have a gift that's for others in the world and you use it for yourself, it's not going to work out well. It's not going to have a happy ending. That's been proven. And mm-hmm. I just gave you one example. I, I'm not going to go through no, no, much of it. But at the same time, when you do use it for the appropriate purpose, then doors open. So it's almost like the Raven's Claw or Pandora's box, yes, right? Where you open it and it kind of backfires from All over the when place. it's being used for personal because it's a collective. It's only meant for the collective. And if it's meant for the greater good. Correct. That, that, that's what I meant by collective. But right. my point about the hospital was the fact that he thought that was for the greater good. He thought that was a great way but to that's go. that's not. And that's not what they wanted him to do. That's right. not why right. he was given that ability. But this comes, okay, that comes through many lifetimes, many, many lifetimes for him. So he got to a point where his frequency was such that you don't use the Akasha for earthly gain, bottom line. Right. Okay. And that's what he tried to do. So that leads me to, uh, I was listening to, um, uh, I can't remember his name at the top of my head right now. Um, the the guy who studies the stars that they're always putting up as the, the expert. Oh, wow. Anyway, Carl Sagan? And not Carl Sagan, but Carl Sagan's a brilliant mind as well. Yeah. Um, no, this is the guy they put on television all the time, and I'm just blanking, but I'll just tell you what he said. He said, when I die, I don't want to be buried in a casket. I want to be buried directly into the earth so the fauna, the bacteria can chew on me and digest me. Cause human composting. As, as I have dined on the earth. Mm-hmm. And I've been wondering this. And this is not something I needed him to say uh, for me to uh, to think about. I've been wondering, we, how long have modern caskets been used in the burial process, right? We embalm the body. We have all these things now. Are we in any way, shape, or form going to harm our ability for our energy to be reabsorbed into the earth? And have you ever had conversations with people on what the best practices would be after death to bring your energy back with the earth? Is it cremation? Is it? I want to write this one down because I will ask, but I have never yeah. done that before. I'd be but fascinated by that. I, of course, know about human composting, but at the same time, um, I can tell you it wasn't until we got to, I guess, mummies were put into the ground. And then it became a high art form to do the sarcophagi and all of those different things that we know from, say, ancient Egypt. There are other burial tombs like that in China, uh, like the one that's unexcavated in uh, China right now with, um, oh, the rivers of Mercury. And and I think it's the first emperor. It's the the tomb of the first emperor they refuse to let anybody go into. Um, Good thing, because if there's rivers of Mercury, that would be poisonous. But having said that, We've been putting people in the ground longer than we've had caskets. And that's just a fact of living and dying. Um, But I think it became an art form, and I think it became part of religious ritual and dogma and all those things that, you know, we encapsulate people. Why? Because 
according to teachings in the churches, Gabriel's going to show up one morning and he's going to blow a trumpet and everybody's going to rise up and be whole. And that's when they'll either ascend to heaven or be judged to go the opposite direction, right. which is a bunch of hooey. And, you know, not for that. That's all a man-made construct. That right. was somebody's interpretation of something. <clears throat> and I figure at this point we should know better. And so there are lots between seven or seven or 11 states, probably seven that uh, have already allowed human composting, which is burying directly into the ground and allowing nature to do its thing. There are also, you know, if you look at that, there are trees that have compost. Well, you can be putting that too, you know, that type of thing. But um, here's my point. They didn't have the ability to burn at a high enough rate as evidenced by all the Hindu... um, cremations along the Ganges, you know, the holy rivers. And, you know, the remains are, let's just say, not exactly palatable for a lot of people, but they were used to it and that's what they did. Now we have ways of cremating where literally we're pulverized to ash. And my mother and my brother reside very kindly in my best friend's garden Mm -hmm. because that's going to nourish her roses and such things. And, they'd like that <laughs> right basically yeah. so that's kind of where i'm going like and, and i thought of the name too i typed and i couldn't find it but it hit me finally neil degrassi tyson was the one oh, that said him. this yeah. yeah i don't know why i could not remember his name but yeah i just I, i'd be curious if you asked the question is there a preferred way for after death for yeah, the yeah. physical body of energy to decompose in order to be most beneficial that would Back. be the best way. Yeah. That I mean, bury it. <laughs> ashes to ashes, dust to dust might actually be a real thing. Right. But at the same time, what has been done for millennia before? Right. Yes, let's, that's not a problem. The issue is having animals dig up carcasses and all those things. Well, once upon a time, I lived on a farm and a rabid fox was walking around and um, it expired before it crossed the creek and could get to the rest, rest of my property. And I was told they didn't want to do the test because they didn't feel like the, the, the test for rabies is they decapitate the animal and they check the spinal spinal fluid in the, in the cerebellum. Anyway, um, they said, we'd really just like you to bury it, but make sure you bury it and cover it with lime. To you, make sure the scent doesn't come back up. You don't want the scent coming back up because you don't want other animals digging it up. That makes sense. So we would have to do that in that ritual and that means that you just cover it up. you can do the same thing that you're doing already in graveyards and just not have the casket right um because it's really an outmoded vehicle to the hereafter yeah i mean that's kind of where my mind has been lately on this and so spirit will tell you right off the bat the vessel is done right i mean there's no reason on earth why we shouldn't live forever except that we've created the lessons that come with illness and all of those different things. But at the end of the day, if you're done with it, you're done with it. Right. And spirit tells you, whatever you want to do. I think I'm going to hit you with one of the, the toughest questions that I've ever given to anybody. Ruh-roh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I apologize for this tough question. But I think it's something that my listeners can benefit from, I can benefit from, and you might simply tell me, I don't know. And that's an acceptable answer as okay. well. 
my children come to me and say, they get to this point where they say, dad, what happens after we die? And I don't have Christianity as a framework. I don't have heaven and hell as a framework for the conversation. How does Laurie Elizabeth explain to a child what happens after death in order to have a better understanding of life? There really is no such thing as death. It's a transition. And when you transition, where do you go? You move to another dimension. It's whatever you imagine has to be there when you cross over. So if you're devoutly Catholic, if you're going to be met by St. Peter and Pearly Gates, and that you truly believe with all of your being, that's what you're going to meet when you go over on the other side. Hmm. If instead you are a Buddhist and you have no desire to meet Buddha, but you choose to believe in nirvana, which, you know, whatever that looks like to you, you will experience that when you cross over. It's what you want it to be. It's what you make it. Just like life is here, the other side, spirit, takes into consideration through the Godhead that what you want to see is that which will welcome you because you're going to feel better about it. All right. I got to hit you with another tough question because I just, this is the problem with being a philosopher and hearing questions <laughs> and hearing answers and then going, God, also I have, makes for great conversation, I have Greg. to ask another co- question now. <laughs> you know, I, I can't help but think of my, my experience in the classroom of students dealing with depression and suicide. Right. Um, you know, I've had, unfortunately, several students in my lifetime of being an educator, as most teachers I'm will, so that have committed suicide. Right. Um, and, you know, when I hear, well, life doesn't end. And I'm a young person dealing with depression. Mm-hmm. I worry that that would be something that you could say to somebody that makes it, okay, I can go. Mm-hmm. And I guess what I'm asking is, there's no, again, religion has been like the great equalizer on that conversation too for many years, which Catholicism's finally changed their tune on it. Now it's- Thankfully. Yeah, it's no longer eternal damnation. It's, well, that person's in Quite pain. a judgment, they, don't you think? Yeah, mm-hmm. they finally, you know, they made the right step there. <laughs> but my, my question is, you know, if after this life we are simply transformed and a, a person hears that and they take it the heart, what keeps that person's energy from committing the ultimate act of taking their life? They have to know that they made a choice to come here in the first place. This is, I'm going to say it, this is the realm of heroes to the other side. This is the most dense and hardest place to live. This life that we chose accelerates our learning on the other side so that we have a faster track to learn the lessons and depart the wheel of karma. Because once you sink into the density of this plane, you're on that wheel. And if you do something to another, that must be balanced in this construct that we have as the world. So in saying that, we do our children a disservice in telling them, Oh, the stork brought you. Or, yeah, we found you in the cabbage patch. Or, you know, we um, we made you because we wanted you and, and all those wonderful heartwarming things. But we also do them a disservice by at some point when they can understand this by saying, this is a schoolroom. And 
we are all here to learn. That is the primary reason for existence of our souls on this plane, is to learn, insatiably learn. And we choose the lessons that we are going to work on every time we come here. So what does that lesson look like? Okay, let's do a lesson plan. Who's the family we're picking? Okay, who are the parents that are going to give us the optimal setup? Who are the surrounding people? My aunts, uncles, friends, neighbors, um, the grocer, whatever. Okay, we choose to come into that environment and we create the environment. We're co-creators, basically. And then we set up those lessons with that environment that are going to be challenging. Like the person who, the child that's born and has, you know, parents maybe addicted, not there, right. neglected, but they choose a different way than the rest of their family. And they find their way out and they get education. And then what do they do? They turn around and they teach others to do the same, to give them the strength and the direction and the guidance that, that help less people go that route. So again, learning the lesson and then taking the advantage of that lesson to teach others along the way. When a child commits suicide, imagine the despair, okay, at such a young age. Suicides hit my life too. And uh, I went through some extreme anger over that actually. Um, But with such young ages, when you know the prefrontal lobe isn't quite done developing yet, what happens, right? Well, first of all, they're met with such love and basically they're going to come back pretty soon because they don't try to go off and read up on things and learn what they need to know for their next time around. They have to complete something here. Many who suicide will actually turn right around and come back, which isn't great either. There has to be some level of decompression and relearning before re-engaging, okay? The, the studies that tell that is that what you were talking about where people can go and look at the 14,000 accounts like how do like when you you, when you make that statement it's based on something you heard somewhere else that people come back right away in many of these cases yeah I've heard that from Casey I've heard that from Cannon and I've heard that from several other authors right Um, I just want to kind of clarify for listeners because I think what I want to I'm realizing I'm understanding what you're saying but now I'm putting my other hat on going let me make sure that a listener understands that as well otherwise they might get lost right this is not me um but these are much more learned people um dolores cannon only died in 2018 right so she's very available on youtube she's very available in amazon read her books there's an awful lot of interesting information there for those that want to hear it at the same time you know answering your question about suicides you know I don't think there's a greater tragedy from some than someone has hit such a level of despair that they can't find them, their way out of themselves. And that's really what it is. It's total self-absorption. Often my mother would teach me, what are you doing moping around? Go help somebody. Go do something. You know, get out of yourself. But in our culture right now, there's an awful lot of self-absorption. And the bullies of the high schools and junior high schools, middle schools, elementary schools, they're living what they learned. Right. So there has to be a 
gentler way to do this. Um, there has to be a way to enlighten people, to raise the vibration of the lesson that says, don't worry about what's going on over there. Persevere. This is going to pass. You're going to get through this. And at the end of the day, that bully is doing it because they have such pain. You don't. You come home to a loving family and or a loving mom, dad, whoever, it's different, and you make it different. And unfortunately, even the kids that are coming home to loving families nowadays experience pain on a different level because we've reprioritized the ego. Uh, yes, we in, have. You know, it's it's really you it's know, a shame. It is. It's I I, I worry about my own children um, that I've seen even with them that they don't know their self worth despite the fact that I've smothered them with what their self-worth is because of the external sources of where society is now. Yeah. And that's not to say that when I was growing up at their age, there wasn't external forces, but you put, you know, a cell phone in somebody's hands, you put a computer there and then you get a bunch of uh, kids trying to well, they, get in, they get caught in a loop of comparison. Correct. And I was taught, don't bother comparing yourself to anybody else because there's nobody else like you. No. And you're special, you're unique, and you're loved. And that's why you're here. Right. You have a mission. And and my mom, I contribute all of this stuff, my, my pension for all of it, to my mother because she is the one who said, you're here with a mission. You have a lesson to learn. You have more to give than you need to receive. So just go that path. Be different. And now look at you. You're, you're putting together a podcast. You're here with me giving mm -hmm. to others of the information of what you've learned. Yeah, I'd say you're putting that into pretty good action. Thanks to you, yes. Not thanks to me. You've been doing this <laughs> long, longer than coming on to my show. I, I found you because of what you're doing. That's, you know. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad that you're here. We're going to call it uh, wraps for today. Mm -hmm. But this one I'd like to do for a, a wrap up to, to, to us. Can you give my listeners three things that they could work on right now in order to create better energy and a better perspective to prepare for this crazy world that we're starting to experience and what we're about to shift into? What are three things that you recommend people start working on in order to be a little bit more aware and prepared for the coming troubles is what I would probably say are tribulations. First thing I would say is learn how to meditate. Understand that I'm not you know, ascribing this to any religion or belief system. Meditation has been used by the saints. Meditation has been used by Buddhists and every religious doctrine you can possibly think of. If that's your thing, even if it's not your thing, if you are an agnostic or an atheist, meditation, mindfulness, relaxation, all works. Why? Because you center into yourself and you ground yourself. That's essential. We're so damn flighty. We go off. On, oh, look, shiny. I need that car. Oh, I need that purse. I want those shoes. It's not about that. It's not going to change your life. It's not going to change your life. It's right. going to make you happy momentarily. <laughs> Fine. Great. Then knock your socks off. You got the money. Go do it. But at the same time, where are you? Period. Where are are you, if you're not residing solely and happily and anchored in yourself, that grounding is essential for what's coming, okay? Mm -hmm. Second thing is, get physically stronger. 
this whole business of the outrageous percentage of obesity from childhood on up. It's a struggle for a lot of us. Yes, fine. But it's a lesson you chose to learn. So get on it, folks. Get physically stronger because you're going to need that strength. Right. I would say the third thing is remember there's no such thing as death. There's only lessons. And learn your lessons as best you can. Check how you think of things on a momentary basis. You see somebody walking down and you don't like the way they're dressed and you judge them in your mind, change that. It's as simple as that type of thought because that's what permeates our everyday. And that's what breeds more negativity all along the way. More judgment, more thoughts that say, eh, eh, no, that's not like me. Right. Well, who made you so much, you know? Those three things, I think, are pretty foundational to getting prepared. I, I, and I don't know when's going to happen. Don't bother with that. Um, no. And it, you know, I've had... It's processing now. Yeah, it's, it's about a preparation mindset. I talk about that a lot on my show. It just, you know... I have that preparation mindset. It's, it's better to be thinking ahead than be panicking in the moment of, I wish. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's in the realm of possibility that we will be here when this whole thing really starts to come on yeah. us. But again, the earth and everyone around us chose this. So right. this is something we chose to incarnate at this point in time because we're here to enter the age of Aquarius. We're in it. We're on the first, very first footfall. I mean, I don't think the heels hit. Yeah, Pluto is just about to reach into Aquarius. Well, it's, um, it's about there. Yeah, I think it's this month we're going to experience a brief period of about three weeks, and then Pluto will be out, and then we have a little bit of time before we enter in. Right, there's three different times that aspect Correct. hits, just yep. like most other aspects. We also have um, Saturn and Pisces which is a big one for the next two and a half years. The Pluto is a long range aspect. Okay. Right. It's going to last for a long time because Pluto is the furthest planet out. Yes, it is a planet. I don't care what they say. Um, it's the furthest planet out and it's also got to go through its transitions three times. So yep. as Saturn in Pisces though, I mean, you got fish swinging in both directions. I have a podcast about that too um, with Chris Largent, master astrologer. Um, that I would encourage people to listen to if you want to know more about that aspect. Excellent. Yeah. I appreciate that. Oh, yeah. Well, Laurie, it's been a pleasure today. Um, again, over an hour has gone by. Enjoyed the conversation with you today. As I did. I appreciate you stopping in. Thank you. And as you were speaking just now, I'm like, man, there's another topic I could go into and ask you more questions. We could be here for two, three we hours. We haven't even easy. touched on numerology yet. No, and that's one of the topics that was just on my mind. <laughs> it was numerology. It was about the catastrophe cycle of the earth. It was about a bunch of things. But we're going to get you back. Um, I want to get you on as a regular and like really figure out how that goes for my listeners. So maybe, uh, well, I'm, ha- I'm grateful that they would have w- me once Thank a you. month, you know, once every two weeks, we'll figure it out. What's good for your schedule. And, and we'll, we'll work that out for everybody. Awesome. All right, everyone, that's it for today. What a wonderful show. I hope that you found parts of this absolutely uplifting and the rest of it, I hope that it gave you food for the soul uh, to think about some things a little bit more in your life. Examine if it challenged your personal beliefs. Good. 
I like that. I like being challenged in the world. I think that's a good place for all of us to be. I hope that Laurie and I have honored your time well and that you've enjoyed the time spent with us. And I will be back with you tomorrow. You've been listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden with my special guest, Laurie Elizabeth. And don't forget to check out our podcast once again on Seekers Insights on all your favorite podcast formats. Take care, everybody. Be bold, America. Mm-hmm.